You've read the magazine, you've seen the website, and now, because we're very 21st century... Oh, you know all that by now. It's the Whistler Podcast. Everything you wanted to know about writing life, but didn't know who to ask. Since 2016, I've been various forms of livid about the state of the world and the state of the country. And in the time between 2016 and now, I've kind of been oscillating between either run away, move, live up, build a log cabin up a mountain, pay no attention and pretend none of it's happening, or start trying to get involved. Today we're going for a bit of a walk. We're stretching our legs and strolling down to Hanover to meet Tim Rokins, one of the three Labour candidates for Hanover and Elm Grove in this week's local elections. And we can do that because while it's not West Hill, it is Brighton and we care about the whole of Brighton. And we can also do it because Tim, as you'll hear, is one of the good guys. Who are you? And why are you? <laughs> well, hello. Yeah, I'm Tim Rokins. Yeah. Um, I'm standing as one of the three Labour candidates in Hanover and Elm Grove. There's not many more to have three seats, but we're one of them. Um, and obviously that's very key for us because we're looking to get a majority on the council this year. And because ours at the moment are held by three Green councillors, you know, we're obviously a really target ward because if we get three back from the Greens there, fantastic. then that takes us well on the way. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So yeah, and I'm standing with um, my fellow candidates Maureen Winder and um, Ty Galvin. And how long have you been involved with the, with the party? So I joined in 2015, I think, okay. late, late 2015. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I joined, I think, because, I mean, I'm 44, so I, I grew up under, under Tory governments and, um, you know, up until I was, you know, late teens, whatever, when Tony Blair came in and stuff. But, you know, I, I think in 2015, I got um, quite motivated by the fact that there was really clear two big, very different camps in national politics that, you know... First time for a long time. For the time. first time in a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, actually, I actually, you know, I, I take the view, um, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people are very um, down on the Tony Blair government because of Iraq, and obviously Iraq was a, was a horrific stain on our, on our conscience. But also, life in the UK was far better under Tony Blair's government than, than um, you know, than certainly than it's been since. So, um, you know... Yeah, the Blair time's interesting. There's not a lot that I take from America, but the, the two-term thing that the presidents have, if that was in operation here, right. Blair's legacy would be completely different, wouldn't it? I guess so, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so you got involved in 2015, joined the party then? Yeah, um, I joined the party then, and um, I, think, I think obviously then 2016 happened. And I, I remember towards the end of 2016, um, you know, in, I don't know if it came up in the Urban Dictionary or something, but I started to become aware that 2016, the words 2016 were starting to be used as an adjective to describe things that were awful, because it, that lots of terrible things happened that year. You know, the Brexit, Trump, um, uh, you know, a Tory majority government. Uh, obviously, that was 2015. But around that time, you know, it really felt like... Brexit and Trump is enough, yeah. Brexit and Trump is enough, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know... I, around that time it really felt like you know there were enough problems in the world already but it really felt like things were taking a serious turn for the worst and I think since then for me I've been basically oscillating between you know since 2016 I've been various forms of livid about the state of the world and the state of the country and in the time between 2016 and now I've kind of been oscillating between either run away move live a build a log cabin up a mountain pay no attention and pretend none of it's happening 
or start trying to get involved and trying to do you know one small little bit of one small something that's good somewhere uh, and to be honest it's taken me this long it's taken me six years or whatever to to um to sort of pick a, pick one of those two positions. And was there kind of a, a, a straw that broke the back that made you think, let me know, I've just got to do something now? Um, well, a few things, I suppose. I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent now. Uh, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old son. And, you know, that, that, that does sort of change, I think, how, you, how you see the world yeah, a little yeah. bit. You do start to think a bit more... Um, you know, long term, and you know, you just sort of, I suppose you just sort of start noticing things and seeing things in a slightly different way. Um, so there's that, and then on top of that, of course, if you want to get involved in in politics, you only get an opportunity once every four years, uh, and obviously with a local election coming up in 2023, if not now, it's 2027. Sure. Um, and I imagine we'll come on to this in a minute, but I've, my career has been in mostly in the music industry, a little bit in education as well, um, but. You know, I don't. Um, my my work has been lots of fun, and you know, I derive great value from it professionally and creatively. But I don't go to bed at night feeling like I've done anything good for the world. You know, so and that's been a that's been a source of um, that's been something that's been like a big kind of hole um, that I've needed to satisfy for a while. So um, so that's a big part of the motivation as well, trying to balance trying to balance that and feel like I'm doing something good for the world. Is there is there a particular part of life or society or something like this that you have a passion for that you think this has got to change this is, this is what I'm doing this is, this is the focus um, yeah I mean I think the, the, the biggest there's one big broad one for me which is just unfairness at, uh, you know the haves and the have nots um, wealth inequality big 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 corporations it, it, it spans a lot of the policy areas that we're looking at I mean you know, environment, for example, is a, is a huge one. Obviously, as individuals and as communities, we all need to do what we can to, um, you know, aim for net zero and protect biodiversity and all those kinds of things. But the but the the biggest offenders are large companies, sure. um, and and that is and they know that they're the biggest offenders and they make conscious choices every day to continue to be the biggest offenders. The same thing happens in housing. We talked about housing with with Tom in the previous episode. Um, you know, housing in this city is, is just seen as a cash cow. You know, most of the Airbnbs. You know, Airbnb, as an example, was supposed to be for people to rent out spare rooms in their houses or to, you know, let out their flats or houses when they go on holiday for a long weekend and stuff. And now it's just a huge, uh, you know, there are thousands of them in Brighton and, and, and most of them are run as businesses, but without paying any corporation tax or any um, business rates, you're contributing very little to the city, no health and safety requirements, and of course, taking vast swathes of the city out of the housing market sure. um, and the, the exodus of young families not just young families young professionals you know the, the 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 thing that makes brighton amazing is the people that live here and you know i, I moved here in 2005 i'm from a shitty town in the midlands where it's rough and violent and, name it, yeah. no i won't you know yeah yeah shout out northampton survivors um We've actually got we've actually got another candidate uh, who's he's from Northampton. So we, we whenever I go for a drink with him, we sort of joke that we're a sort of you know survivors support network. Um, you know, but the thing that attracts uh, people like us to come and move to Brighton and make a life here is is the the people, the creativity and the vibrancy and the open mindedness and the acceptance and all those kinds of things. And if the people that make it what it is all have to move to Haywards Heath or whatever, great, Haywards Heath becomes brilliant, but Brighton loses its 
uh, loses its its soul, and and that's a that's a big you know that's a big problem. And when you go out knocking on doors and, and doing that canvassing thing, is that what you get from people as well? Yes, I mean. Housing comes up more and more. Um, I think the closer we get to the election, people have been spending time really reflecting. It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it, it blows your mind, actually, the, the depth that people think about these things and really and really sort of want to know where you stand on them and all those kinds of things. Um, so it does come up more and more. You know, we hear a lot about bins and recycling and all those kinds of things, but there are a lot of rented houses in my ward, Hanover and Elm Grove, um, and it is expensive, um, and you don't get very much for your money, um, and the, the landlords are unscrupulous, and you know the places are falling apart. And it's you know it's just it, it it's obviously a problem for the city, but it taps into that thing for me of unfairness. And you know I've, I'm lucky now; my wife and I own our house. But I was renting until I was forty, and I was I was um, when I lived in Hove, I lived in a, a flat that was um, quite a nice flat. It was the top floor of one of those old townhouses. But the landlord owned that flat, the other five flats in the building, the freehold to the building, the letting agency, the managing agent. He's got it tied up, And, he? like, 30 or 40 other properties around. around. Right. So, you know, uh, so he's not thinking about what it's like uh, to, for people to live in those places. When, when you go out on the streets, again, when you sort of talk to local people and what have you, are, are people happy to concentrate on local issues or...? Or do you get conflated with the national government and the national party and all that? It's a bit of both, to be honest. I mean, some, some people just want to talk about the, the, the patch of grass at the end of their street that's always got dog poo on it and stuff. Um, obviously, if you're standing in local politics, you're, you are seen through the prism of your party and therefore the national leadership. And that's a challenge for us in Hanover and Elm Grove and, and as well for other wards in, the, in Brighton Pavilion, for example, where you've got Caroline Lucas as the MP, very popular MP, very effective MP. Um, and very visible. And very visible. And, and people vote, green, vote for green councillors because of Caroline Lucas. Sure. So we have to sort of sometimes you know, make that argument that the two things are completely separate and, uh, uh, you know, and that Caroline Lucas's name is not on the ballot paper, for example. And um, Keir's lovely, really. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, most, most people, most um, Labour supporters in Brighton and Hove are further left than the current iteration of the, of the Labour Party leadership. Um, but to be honest, you know, our response to that is always, look, you know, the, the national leadership comes and goes. The last, the last few years tells you that the leadership will swing from one end of the spectrum to another in a heartbeat. Um, and actually for us, it's about getting good people from local communities who have those really fundamental labour values around fairness and social justice and environmentalism now because that is not the sole preserve of the Green Party anymore. It, it took Labour too long to catch up with it, but they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think I would be standing if they hadn't because that's a, that's a huge one for me. Um, so, you know, we make that argument and, and generally people accept that and they would just want to talk about the city and, the, and, and locality and stuff. Um, and is it difficult turning that around? Because, I mean, it is, it is kind of the, the, I don't know if knee-jerk is, is the phrase, but when people think about environmentalism and climate and all that story, they'll think green. Hmm. And you've got to make them not think green. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, th- the, the thing that... Um, the easiest response to those things, which actually we, we don't tend to... Like, people are cheesed off with the Green Party in Brighton and Hove. They are. We're, we're not having to... We're not having to make that argument. We're opening the door, asking about, you know, what people's concerns are, and, and it all comes out. What I will say on top of that is that the, 
this is kind of a defence of, of the Greens, I suppose, that the council has had no overall control for 20 years. So whoever's been leading it, you know, Greens and including, including Labour in this, you know, the council hasn't been as effective a council as it could have been. Um, and this year, you know, we've got a real opportunity to change that because, you know, the Greens are going to lose seats, hopefully three in Hanover and Elm Grove. Uh, and the Tories are going to be hopefully all but wiped out. I think there's... Are, are there Tories here? I think there are seven. I think there are well, seven. seven Tory voters? Uh, well, yeah, probably. I've, I've met fewer than that in Hanover and Elm Grove, I tell you. Um, so I think there are seven Tory councillors remaining around the, around the city. Is it higher? Uh, maybe it's more than that. Eleven. Okay. Well, well, no, it, it rhymes. Figures. It rhymes. I've yeah. been I've been corrected. Um, so you know, we would like to obviously see those. That would be a nice win for. Uh, would we then be the first authority to kick out every Tory councillor in the oh, in the country? I'd it, like to look at that bring stat. It on, bring it on. Um, so I shouldn't say this impartial. Yeah. <laughs> Impartiality. Yeah, you're not the BBC though. Are you? It's, it's fine. true. Yeah. And how has this made you feel as a, as a as a human being? Getting away from all that for a minute. Mm. Has this sort of you know really whetted your appetite for the political world for the political life? I mean, I don't know about the political... I mean, there's a lot about the political world that is unpleasant. You know, when, when I got here, I was just finishing up some social media um, bits and pieces where, you know, parties are trying to take lumps out of each other and, and you know, just say things that, are, 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 that they know are not true because it's a run-up to an election. And I, yeah, I know, right? I know, but, but, you know, you expect that in national politics. But, but, you know, this is naivety, I suppose. This is the first time I'm standing I, I, am, I just refuse to play that game. Like, my, my approach is always just to respond very civ- in a civilised way, present the facts, and just try and be as level-headed about it. Because people hate, you know, people hate it. They hate watching politicians squabble. It drives them nuts, and it's, and it's not in anyone's interest. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't enjoy that side of it so much. Um, but I do, I mean, I love canvassing. I love it. And I've been saying this to um, people that I've spoken to in the party, that I think we should continue canvassing, actively knocking on doors and talking to people throughout the term of the council. We shouldn't just be doing it in the run-up to elections because if you wait for people to send you an email, it's because they're really pissed off about something. Sure. Um, whereas if you go to someone's door and you ask, you know, you just ask people at random, you hear, you hear the full breadth uh, of feedback and, and I love it. People are always happy to talk and share their views and stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, and I think that's a really good idea to, to sort of maintain that contact and not, yeah. not just kind of be there when you need them, it, you know? Well, the council here, you know, traditionally has too often been a thing that happens in a building in Hove where decisions are made about communities and then the decisions are implemented in the communities and yeah there are consultations but they're often presented as a here's this thing we're going to do we've drawn up the plan to it what do you think rather than you know what do you need in your community what are your ideas you know and and acting more as a sort of enabler for, for communities to be to be much more empowered in their own um, because we're, li- we're lucky to live in a city where people are very community-minded. Covid, you know, showed us, showed us that, turbocharged. Have loads of good ideas and, and you know, they, they don't need decisions to be made for them, you know. You can, you can really have a much better interface between councils and communities, I think. Sure. Um, and any last things you want to say to the, to the great people of Hanover? My son was born on our bedroom floor. You know, I couldn't feel more connected to the place. I do strongly... um, I make the argument strongly that we need, at this point in the city, a council with a majority so that we can get on top of things like the housing problem and and have some climate and biodiversity um, policies that are 
big picture rather than tinkering around on small little projects um, combined with the competence to get them done. So I, I, would, I would say that now is the time for a Labour majority government, not only so that we can have the authority to get those things done, but we can also be judged fairly on them in four years' time. If we're a majority and we've had four years to deliver some things that we said we would deliver, who have we got to blame at the end of that if we don't? So, you know, to me, that is a, a better um, place to be than, than a, con- a continuation of the hung council that we've had for 20 years. Well, without wanting to breach the impartiality rules too much, good luck with that. Thank you very much. As ever, thanks for listening and whatever you do, remember to vote. You only get one vote, so use it wisely. That's it for this week's Whistler podcast. Keep your eyes on Facebook and Insta and Twitter and oh, wherever else it is that you look. See you next time.